0: Okay, Um, today we turn to our sermon series that we've been in for the last several weeks called Teach Us to Pray. Um, Is anybody getting anything out of this series? Because I sure am. Um, Our goal is every person praying every day. We're wanting to to encourage a culture and a life of prayer uh, throughout one family church and really instilling uh, a deep sense of what it means to connect deeply with God through prayer. And so we're going through the Lord's Prayer with our Father um, each week we're going line by line and today we are on verse 12 so i'm going to preach on this verse Matthew 6 verse 12 which says this forgive us our debts somebody say our debts yes. forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors somebody say debtors yes. all right for the next few moments i'm going to preach on the subject how to get out of debt amen somebody how to get Out of debt. Let's take a moment. Let's pause. Let's still our hearts. Let's focus on the Lord. Let's pray. And then we'll get into the sermon. Father, we love you. We are grateful for who you are. We are grateful for the way that you shine your grace, your love, your mercy upon us. We are grateful for your forgiveness. We're grateful for the opportunity, Lord, to learn how to not only receive, but to give forgiveness. Uh, One of those very difficult subjects for many of us, but Lord, we just pray that your grace Would open our hearts today and the soil of our heart would be uh, soft and ready to receive your word. Let it be transformative. Let it change us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. Let me just ask this question. No shame. How many of you have ever in your life or are currently ever been in debt? Anybody ever been in debt? Okay. Even a little bit, right? Talking about mortgage debt, talking about uh, student loan debt, credit card debt. Any kind of debt, right? We've all, most of us, have been in some. If we haven't been in financial debt, we've owed somebody a debt of gratitude, right? We've owed somebody a favor, right? We, we've owed somebody dinner at some point in our life. We've all been in debt. That just means that that we are uh, that we are obligated to 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 pay some value to somebody else who has a right to collect it from us. That's what that means. I have an obligation to give you something that you have a right to collect. From me, that's what debt means. Debt is in the news. I don't know if any of y'all have been watching the news, but there's been some debt debt forgiveness. It looks like there's a maybe a fire alarm going off. Oh no, it's a it's a phone alarm. All right, amen. Um, you owe me five bucks. Every worship team member knows. So so debt is is an obligation to pay something of value to someone who has a right to collect it, right? Um, so debt, in, in the news, there's there's debt forgiveness happening. The government's trying to do some debt forgiveness. And some people are real happy about it. Other people are not happy about it. But everybody recognizes how powerful and how crushing debt can actually be, especially if, if you've ever been in debt. Um, uh, one of the ways that, that we know about the, the weight of debt is, is, to, is to be under it. Um, there have been times in my life that I've been under debt. And for me, I don't know about you, but I hate it. I hate being in debt. Uh, debt is is sort of a, a, a sense of bondage. There's, a, there's an enslavement with debt. There's a sense in which you are obligated. You're the debtor. In fact, the, the Bible says the borrower is servant to the lender, right? So we all know what that feels like. And when you don't want to be under debt, you got to figure out how to deal with it. And what I've noticed, and maybe you've noticed this, is that most of us handle debt in one of two ways. Ready? We either try to pay it off. Or we try to play it off. They might know what I'm talking about. <laughs> All of you know who you are, because either you're going, you get that, you get that letter from the creditor, right? You get that email, you get that call from Delaware, you know, and you go, man, I'm just going to avoid this. I'm just going to ignore. I'm just going to put that in the, in the, I'm going to put that letter in the, in the shelf. I'm not going to look at that. So I'm going to try to. Play it off. Some of us have the other reaction, which is if we find out that we have some obligation, and we're quick to want to pay it off. We just don't want to be under it, so we try to get out of it. Um, I've been on both sides of that equation throughout my life, at different times. When I when I was when I first moved to Los Angeles as a, in my twenties many years ago, um, when I first moved to Los Angeles, I was so broke. I'm just telling you how broke I was. I was so broke, I would have to put a smoky black bean burrito on layaway at Pollo Loco just to get something to eat that week. I mean, I was, I was completely broke. I was eating cereal with a fork to save the milk. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So I was, I was broke. And um, in L.A. I needed transportation. So I, I bought uh, a 1986 red Subaru hatchback. Um, don't be jealous. Um, it was used, I bought it from um, a party that uh, they asked me to be on pit My Ride, but I just said I can't. I can't. Um, all right, you can take that down just so that we don't have to stare at that sad vehicle. Um, I had this vehicle, I bought it used with cash, and um, I, my job at that time, I was a production assistant. Production assistant is like the lowest person on the totem pole. It means. Whatever needs to be done that nobody else wants to do, that's your job. And so that was my job. I was a production assistant. And that included driving around LA, dropping scripts off at different places, going and getting groceries for my boss. If somebody wanted a coffee run, that was me. I was going to get the coffee, right? That was my job. And I was driving my 86 Red Subaru hatchback all around LA. Now here's here's something that happens in LA that doesn't really so much happen in Missouri. In LA, there's just nowhere to park. Nowhere to park in LA. Nowhere free to park. It's, it's either valet or it's paid parking, right? You go into a 7-Eleven in LA, it's valet parking. You have to pay $20 just to go in there. Um, some of you think I'm serious. You, that's not actually true, but you understand what I'm saying. It's it's intense. And if you do not pay, if you do not pay for parking, you will get a parking violation. And it's not like a parking violation in U-City or in Shaw. You know, that, those parking violations are like $15, $20. In LA, it's like $125 per parking. That was when I was there. It's probably $400 now for a parking violation. I remember getting my very first parking violation in the 86 Subaru, and it was $100. I think it was a little over $100. I remember thinking to myself, this is one eighth of what I paid for the vehicle, right? I only paid 800 for it, and I took that $100 parking violation, and at the time, I, I did not have the money to pay it. I could not pay it off, so I took the alternative. I decided I would play it off. And what I did is I opened my glove box, and I put that parking violation in my glove box, and then I shut the glove box. You know what I'm saying, somebody? It turned out to be somewhat effective, because it just was out of sight, out of mind. But then a week or two later, I got another parking violation. And guess what I did with that one? In the glove box. Over the next several months, I compiled parking violations. At a certain point, I was like, what does it matter? right? I was just park <laughs> anywhere. I'll park anywhere without, ir- irrespective of whether I'm allowed to park. I'm just going to park, and I've stacked up. I'm not recommending this, college students, This is back when I was a fool, somebody, and and I was I was piling up parking tickets and I was sticking them in the glove box until one day I was driving out Santa Monica Boulevard, getting ready to drop off a script to somebody, and I see some lights behind me, some red and blues turn on behind me. The police officer pulls me over. Comes up to the vehicle, says, do you have your registration and proof of insurance? I said, I'm not sure. I think I do. Let me check. I open the glove box. And about 10 million parking violations fall out onto the floorboard of my 86 red Subaru. He goes back to his car, does something, calls the Federal Bureau of Investigations or something. I don't know. What. He comes back up to the car. He goes, I'm going to have you go ahead and step out of the vehicle. I had to step out of the vehicle. It turns out that I had racked up thousands of dollars of parking violations on this car. Not only that, the car had not been properly registered. Not only that, it turns out that the person from whom I purchased the car did not have title free and clear for the car. I remember the officer saying something to the effect of, I'm not saying you stole it, I'm just saying you can't keep it. And he went and called the tow company. Now, this is how broke I was, and then I'm, I'm going to wrap up the story, because I've, I've, I'm still I'm working this out in front of you right now. Yeah, I'm still working through this. He um, called the tow company. The tow company comes, and I'm standing there, and this is how broke I was. I had just bought some floor mats for like $11 at Pet Boys, like a week before, and I thought, man, those are new floor mats. And those were $11. And so I go to the officer. I go, would you mind if, before you tow the vehicle away, can I just get my floor mats? out of the car, and the pity on his face just was like, yeah, dude, you can get your floor mats. So I got my floor mats out of the car, the tow company came, off goes my Subaru, off goes the police officer, I'm standing on Santa Monica Boulevard with my floor mats under my arm, thinking like, you know, let's go Hollywood, let's do this, right? The problem was that I had some debt that I had not been able to pay off, and so I had decided to play it off, And it turns out that neither of those strategies work when it comes to insurmountable debt. You can't do it. Jesus, when he said, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, is using a metaphor, he's using an analogy of financial debt, which all of us know how heavy that feels, to talk about spiritual debt. He's saying, listen, God's law is perfect. God is a perfectly good, just, and righteous God. Anytime you violate his law, there is a penalty associated with violating his law. The problem is you you and I are incapable of paying the penalty. We have been racking up debt through sin Throughout our lives and the debt can pile up and pile up and pile up and we cannot get out from under it In fact, jesus knew he used this analogy because he knew how crushing debt could be in the first century when jesus was talking His followers if they went into debt, they didn't just get an email from the from the credit collection company
1: They were sent
0: to be a servant a slave to the person to whom they owed the debt that was the model for working off debt in the first century. You became an indentured servant to anyone to whom you owe money. And so Jesus said, listen, I'm going to use this metaphor of debt to explain to you how crushing, how difficult, how impairing, how enslaving the debt of sin can be. If God did not have a penalty for sin, he would not be a just God. There has to be penalty for sin. And the problem is we just can't pay it off. We cannot work it off. We cannot Pay it off. We cannot play it off. Whatever we do, it just keeps building deeper and deeper and deeper. Now, I know what some of us are saying. Some of us are saying, well, my sin amounts to like a parking violation level sin, right? I might have a little bit of sin, but I haven't done anything super bad. I'm not a murderer. I haven't committed adultery. I haven't robbed a liquor store. You know, whatever. Whatever is bad to you, right? I haven't done those things, so maybe I owe a little bit of debt to God, but I don't really have a debt of sin to God. Well, Jesus says, I'll tell you what, let me, but right before he taught us this prayer, he said, Let me tell you what the standard is. And then you can decide whether or not you have debt to God, whether or not you have breached God's law, whether whether or not you have violated God's law, whether or not uh, you owe some wages for the sins you've committed. And we know what the wages are, right? Anybody who's been to, been to Sunday school, the wages of sin is death, right? There's a penalty. Jesus says in, in, in the in the in the uh, chapter just before the prayer, he says this. He said, "Let me tell you what the what the let me tell you what the uh, standard is." In verse 17 of chapter five, he goes, "Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets." Jesus right out of the gate says, "Hey, don't think that I've come to lower the standard." I have not come to abolish the law and, and the prophets, but I've come to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. He's saying the law of God that was, has been here for thousands of years is intact and in place. Then he says this, for I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Oh, so I read that right now and I go, well, wait a minute, the Pharisees are the teachers of the law. These are people that have, were the, the most pious. They followed every single part of the law down to the finest, tiniest grain of their tithing on the mint. And the, and, and, and they're, they're, these are people that do everything to follow the law. And he says, if you're not more righteous than them, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Then he says this, you have heard, he starts giving examples, you have heard that it was said to people long ago, you shall not murder. We go, yeah, that makes sense, right? That would be wrong. Uh, And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Fair enough. But I tell you, he says, that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject subject to judgment. Okay, that hits a little closer to home. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Rakab, which is basically a way of saying, you idiot. right? If you say that, you'll be answerable to the court. And anyone who says you fool will be in danger of hellfire. So Jesus is not lowering the standards. He's saying, look, I know, I know you're not supposed to murder, but I don't, to be, I don't even want you to call people idiots. I don't even want you to, when people merge in traffic in the wrong way, right, you've got to be careful what you say. He said, you heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. You go, okay, that's fair. But I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustily has already committed adultery with her in his heart. That's a raised standard. He raised the standard. He didn't lower the standard. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give a certificate of divorce, but I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, makes her the victim of adultery, and anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. He is making this, what feels like an impossible standard. He says, you have heard that it was said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anybody slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also, and if anybody wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. I mean, like, I'm sitting here going, I don't know how righteous you are, but I got put out of the righteous category about four paragraphs ago. (laughs) If you sue me and want my shirt, I've got to give you my coat also. He says, give to the one who asks and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I mean, these standards are not easy. These are harder than the law, and in case we don't believe it, in case we haven't fully wrapped our head around it, here's how he ends the sermon. Ready? Verse 48. Be perfect, therefore, even as your heavenly Father is perfect. Let me ask you, how are you measuring up to God's standard right now, somebody? Uh, Let me tell you this. The closer you think you are, the further away you are. Right? Right? The closer you think you are to the ultimate, perfect, just standard of God, the further you are. Jesus is saying, man, none, none, of, none of us, except him, none of us come close to the standard that God requires. We all owe God the penalty of the sins that we have committed. And what we do with spiritual debt is the same thing that we do with financial debt. We either try to pay it off or we try to play it off. Come on, somebody you try to pay it off or you try to play it off here's what i've seen as a as a kid growing up in church being a pastor i've seen a lot of people try to pay it off religiously right you start to recognize how heavy your sin is and you try to perform your way out of your sin you know what i'm saying if I can just meet the standard, if I can just do things the right way, if I can just do enough good, maybe I can offset some of the bad I've done. Maybe I can compensate over here for things that I did over there. Maybe if I just show God how righteous I am, I'll I'll, I'll claw my way out of debt, I'll pay it off. And what happens, maybe you've seen this, I know about 50 people right now who I can name who did that. And it became so overwhelmingly exhausting and depressing that they decided to switch strategies, and they said, well, forget it. I'm going to play it off. I, for, I don't want to be around God. I don't want to be around church. I don't want to be around the people of God. I don't want to be around all that judgmentalism. I don't want to be I don't want to be involved in that anymore, right? And so their sin doesn't go away, but now they've shoved it in the glove box of their 86 Subaru of their soul, somebody. I'm going to take this analogy as far as I can go. <laughs> right? And they said, you know what? I don't care about God. I'm not trying to trying to follow God, right? I'm don't. I'm just. I'm just ignoring it. And while we're doing that, either trying to pay it off or play it off, the debt is mounting. The debt is getting heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier. And the strategies that we employ are not paying off the debt of sin under which we struggle, under which we endure. So how do we get out of debt? How do we get out of the debt sin jesus in this prayer in one line in two parts one line two parts tells us how to get out from under the burden of sin let's look back at it verse 12 the first part of the line says forgive us our debts this is a prayer this is a request this is a petition to god the theological term for this i tried to find a better word but the best word for this Is the word repentance 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 is a recognition Of your sin It's a recognition of your debt Right It's remorse for your debt It's not just recognition and saying I regret this There's remorse here It's the reception of forgiveness In other words receiving God's forgiveness Right And then it's the resolve to change That's what repentance is it's four parts. Uh, someday I'll dip, go deep in this, right? It's the first. It's the recognition of your sin. When I finally decided, man, I got to get out from debt. I sat down at a desk with a pencil and a piece of paper, and I started writing out every obligation that I owe, every bit of debt, just writing it out. I had things come to mind of people that I owed from way back when, and then I had to write all of that down. It was a painful process. It was, and, and the more I wrote, the higher that number got. The math just kept getting bigger and bigger. I had to get the calculator out, right? I had to start running some algorithms. I mean, I had to sit down and write it out. This is the first and hardest step when it comes to sin sin, and, and, and spiritual debt, because the recognition of our own fault and our own sin is so Difficult for us to face But if we will not face it It cannot be forgiven If we cannot disclose it It will not be delivered it will not, We will not be delivered We have to sit down and, and say God here's what I've done Right we can't justify it We can't rationalize it We can't play it off We And we want to do that right to make ourselves feel better But <clears throat> repentance means Alright here's what I've done You say it, you express it, you write it out, you confess it, in explicit terms, this is it, right? And then there's remorse. When I first became a Christian, I remember it was was almost, I could could almost put myself back there. There was this moment when when I became a Christian where I just felt this overwhelming sense of joy. Oh my God, I believe in you, Jesus, and I'm so thankful to be on this path with you. Literally moments later, a wave of regret washed over me. Because suddenly I was seeing all of my past through the lens of the righteousness of God. And I was going, oh, my Lord. All of those sins, all of that debt, right, is just so overwhelming. Just the kind of shame and regret and remorse from all of the times that I had lived in ways that were unfit for a person of God to live. And that wave just washed over me. But you know what comes after that? Receiving receiving the forgiveness, right? Where you go, yes, that's all real. That's all real. I'm naming it. I'm specifically outlining it. And you know what? God forgives it completely. you got to receive that forgiveness. You know one thing that I do? I don't know if this is biblical, but it's a practice that I think aligns with, with, with what the scripture is teaching. Sometimes you have to go back and forgive yourself. If God forgives you, but you do not forgive yourself, that you have not received God's forgiveness completely. Does that make sense, somebody? Sometimes, I, I've done this before. I would go back from time to time. I've gone back and looked at my 25-year-old self in the eye and said, you know what, you're forgiven. Just remember, you're forgiven, right? You, to receive God's forgiveness means you also, you receive it all the way. That means you forgive yourself, right? And then reversal just means like, You know, resolve just means okay. I'm going to work on going a different direction. So the first line there says, "Forgive us our debts." That's the act of repentance. What's the second line? The second line is, "As we forgive our debtors, as we forgive our debtors." So the first word is repentance. The second word is release. I want somebody. Now this is this is almost just as hard. In fact, this might be harder for some of us. The key to receiving forgiveness is giving it. Forgive us our debts. How? As we forgive our debtors, right? The key to receiving forgiveness is giving it to those who need it from you. My brother-in-law is a a contractor, and he... uh, he went to go uh, do a renovation, a restoration of a home, um, and he went in to inspect the home, and he discovered that the, the people living in the home were hoarders, like like for real, not just pack rats, but like uh, hoarding disorder. Like they had they had just amassed mounds, mounds of junk and waste in this home. Just I mean like tons, not not a little bit, tons of trash in this home. And what he realizes, he cannot do any renovation work in here unless all of this stuff is removed from the house. And until all of this stuff is removed from the house, he will be incapable of restoring and renovating this home. Right? Unforgiveness is spiritual hoarding. Hear me now. Unforgiveness is when you hold on to the the, the grievance, when you hold on to the injury, when you hold on to the. When you hold on to the injustice that was perpetrated against you, when you hold on to the hurt, when you hold on to the anger, when you hold on to the bitterness, and then your life gets cluttered with hostility and anger and self-loathing, and you're just, you, you become a spiritual hoarder, right? Anybody with me this morning? And Jesus says, I, here's what I need you to do. In order for me to restore your soul, I need you to release some of that bitterness I need you to forgive others as I forgive you. I need you to release the the power of the wound that was inflicted upon you. I need you to release the power of the abuse that was inflicted upon you. I need you to release the the, the injustice, release the power, release the weight of of the hurt that somebody caused you so that I can come in and restore you. And here's how Jesus described this. He described it in a story in Matthew 18, a few verses after the prayer. He says this. The kingdom of God is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servant. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him ten thousand bags of gold was brought to him. So you follow me, the king, right? He's settling accounts. Somebody comes to him; they owe him ten thousand pounds, ten thousand bags of gold, billions of dollars. Since he was not able to pay. The master ordered that he, the debtor, and his wife and his children and all that they had be sold into slavery, into indentured servitude, to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him and said, be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. But of course, there's no way he can pay back everything. He owes billions of dollars to this king. The servant's master took pity on him, and what did he do? He canceled the debt. He canceled the debt. And he let him go. Can you imagine owing 10 bags of gold to someone? There's no way you can repay it. And the, and the guy that the, the guy that, that you owe it to says, I'll tell you what, you're going to wipe it away. You. You're free to go. That's what he does. That's what the king does. So the servant, who has now been completely freed from the weight of debt, the enslavement of debt, goes out. He found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins, a little bag of money. He grabbed the man and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. This is a man who had just been given, forgiven, right? Ten bags of gold. Yeah. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I'll pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged. And they went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all of the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I have on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Now we sit here and I listen to that story and that is a satisfying ending to that story man, the ten bags of gold had been canceled. This guy went and choked another guy for a hundred, you know, coins, and the, and now the master says, you're going to jail. Yeah! That's right. But this is how Jesus ends this sermon. He says, this is how my Heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. You see what he's saying? You see what he's saying? He's saying, you... you <laughs> I'm forgiving you bags of gold. And if you're harboring resentment against somebody who unfriended you, if you're harboring resentment against somebody who insulted you, if you're harboring resentment from somebody who betrayed you, do you understand how the debts don't weigh out here? I'm forgiving you for the wages of your sin is death, right? The wages of, what's the wages of of somebody unfriending you, right? Right? You're, we're holding on to stuff and we're not clearing out the clutter. And when we don't clear out that clutter, God cannot come in and say, Let me restore you, let me make you clean, let me make you whole. Forgiveness is not for the person that you are called to forgive. Forgiveness is for your freedom. Come on, somebody. Forgiveness is for you to go, I'm free. I'm free from the bitterness. I'm free from the agony. I'm free from the weight. I'm free from the pain. The reason we struggle to forgive. The reason we struggle is because we have a misapprehension, a misunderstanding of the theological reality of what forgiveness really is. And we think it's things that it's not. And so we don't want to forgive because we're like hoarders, We're holding on to it because we're not exactly sure how amazing it will be if we release it. People think that, that forgiveness is, is condoning the behavior. Forgiveness is not condoning When you forgive someone, it's not that you're saying what you did wasn't wrong. In fact, you're saying what you did was wrong, and I'm forgiving you despite that. Forgiving is not excusing. Forgiving is not diminishing the wrong that was done, right? So you don't have to go, well, I'm sure he didn't mean it. No, he probably did mean it, actually, right? Forgive the sin. You you don't have to excuse. Forgiveness is not excusing, right? Forgiveness is not pardoning. Not not earthly forgiveness. Forgiveness. If somebody harmed you and there are consequences for the way they harmed you, it's good and right for them to endure those consequences. Right? You can forgive someone while pressing charges. Are you with me this morning, somebody? You can forgive someone while, while, I want to be careful, while enforcing the law against them. You can forgive them and enforce the law at the same time. Okay? So what I I want you to know is the, the reason sometimes we hold on to unforgiveness is because we, we don't understand what it is. Forgiveness is not always reconciling. I'm trying to free you so that you can forgive some people, okay? Sometimes if somebody keeps hurting you over and over and over, right? You are required and obligated to forgive them every single time. Every single time. 70 times 7. There's a whole story with Peter. I wanted to bring it in here. I can't get can't fit it. There's So you are required to forgive them. You are not required to go hang out with them. To get hurt again Right You can forgive and release Right Amen You know what forgive is I'm about to close I'm about to close with this Here's here's the word Jesus uses The word that he uses is afieme Afieme means to send away To release To permit to depart Somebody today needs to release some bitterness Permit it to depart Let it go Release some pain, release some of the injury that was done to you, release some of the hurt that was inflicted upon you, release some of the injustice that has been perpetrated against you, right? You're not condoning it, you're not excusing it, you're not pardoning it, right? You're not necessarily reconciling with the person who did it, but you are releasing it, you're letting it go. Jesus demonstrates. Whenever Jesus teaches us to do something, he always does the extreme version of it to show us what it means. The, night, the, the day that Jesus was killed, his body is literally stretched out on the cross. The nails are in his hands and his feet. He has been whipped, he's been beaten, he's been spit upon, he's crowned thorns on his head. And what is his final act? What is his final act? If I'm on the cross, I'm going, judgment, bring it down, fire on all of these people, right? You know what Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. I'm going to release the very last injuries. In fact, I'm going to make sure I don't die before I release the injuries that are being inflicted upon me right now. The nails are in my hands right now, and I'm forgiving you. Right? And then, and then if that's not enough, When one of the thieves on one of the crosses next to him says, can I be forgiven? How about me? Because I've messed up completely the whole time. And I deserve the penalty that I've got. I deserve what I'm getting. Jesus turns to him and says, this day you will be with me in paradise. Today, I'm going to forgive you. Right? Here's what I want us to do as a church. I want us to be free we get free is receiving and giving forgiveness. We can't pay it off, and we can't play it off, but we can receive it, and we can give it away. So here's what I want us to do as we close today. I'm going to encourage everybody to do this. You don't have to, but I just want to encourage you to do it. I want to encourage you to take a connection card out of the back of the chair in front of you, grab one of the pins that are in the little pinhole. And what I want you to do, don't put your name on it, don't put your identifying information, don't give us your email, don't I don't want any, I don't want to know who it's from. But what I want you to do is I want you to write down one thing that you need forgiven for. And if you want to, write it in hieroglyphics so that we don't know what it is. Right? I don't, we don't I don't need to know your business. I'm this is for you. I want you to write down one thing that you need forgiveness for. Okay? And then I want you to write down one thing or one person. That you need to forgive. And I'm going to press you on this because a lot of times we go, eh, I don't, I'm not really holding a grudge against anybody. Well, you know what? It might just be buried beneath some bitterness that you're not aware of. It might be down on that third layer of trash that you've got covered up. right? I want you to dig deep. Is there anybody that has harmed you that you have not fully and completely forgiven? Is there anything that's been done to you that you have not fully and completely released to God and said, God, I give this to you. I let your justice work on this thing instead of me holding up and harboring this bitterness. The reason I want you to do this is because by doing this, you are liberated from debt. You you get out of debt when you say, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So I'm gonna encourage you to take a connection card, write that down, something that you need forgiveness for and something that you need to forgive. And then I want you to fold it up 18 million times, okay. so that the person next to you can't see what it is. And then on your way out at both campuses, drop it in one of the baskets. We'll have a, 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 a greeter with a basket, drop it in a basket, and here's what we're gonna do. And I'll send you a video of this. We're gonna take all of those cards, and we're gonna get a nice bonfire going, and we're gonna throw those in the bonfire. And this will be our symbolic way to say, you know what, we release it. We release it to God. We receive your forgiveness, and we release the bitterness and the pain, the anger, and the unforgiveness that we've harbored. We don't want to be spiritual hoarders; We want to let it go. So I'm going to ask each of you to do that. Take a moment. Write that down. What you need forgiveness for, and who you need to forgive, or what you need to forgive. And then we'll put it in the basket at the end of both campuses, and we'll let that go today. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and your word is righteous and true. It's so powerful. It's so liberating. I ask today, Lord God, that each and every one of us would take these words of yours and apply them to our heart. We would receive the forgiveness for the sins that we've committed. We would not be afraid to put them out there in front of you. We would not be trying to justify or rationalize our our lives. The evils and the, and the wickedness that we perpetrated, but that we would sit and have the embarrassing moment of disclosing them to you, and then receiving your forgiveness, and then re- reversing our steps and, and resolving to to change our ways. and And I pray that we would release those who have sinned against us, so that we can be free, so that we can receive your forgiveness, so that we're not like the servant strangling people who have harmed us. And not receiving the forgiveness that you give to us. We love you. We thank you. And we praise you. In Jesus name we pray. Everybody say. Amen. 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 As we close out today's sermon. I want to invite you to worship with us in a few different ways. If you need prayer today. And I know some of you need prayer. Right now. you've been thinking about forgiveness. That you need to receive and give. Our prayer team will be in the side auditorium. And I encourage you to go over there. And have somebody take you by the hand. And pray through some stuff with you. Okay. You can do that today. Uh, if this is your church home, I want to invite you to participate in, in giving and expanding the mission and expanding the work of the church. You can do that today uh, when you get home. OneFamilyChurch.com slash give. Sign up for your giving and be a part of spreading the kingdom, spreading God's word, um, not only here in St. Louis, but around the world. I invite you to be a part of that. We also have communion available in the side Auditorium, and you can do that as well. All right, so let's stand together now. Let's open our hearts, let's open our voices, let's sing to God.